The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perot columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. So here we are with gold doing its safe haven inflation hedge thing by pushing back through US $1,900 an ounce as the world frets about all manner of things, not the least of which is tension over the Ukraine and clear signals that inflation is on the rise. In Aussie dollars, the gold price is now more than $2,650 an ounce, which is a great price for those in production. We have one today, Aura Band of Mining. Its code is OBM or Oscar Bravo Mike. Before going into a trading halt for a $20 million capital raise, it was trading at 7 cents for a market cap of about $75 million. The company began, uh, became a gold producer last year from its Daviehurst project, which is about 120 kilometres northwest of Kalgoorlie in the eastern goldfields, of course. To get up and running during COVID was a good effort. There have been some challenges along the way, but Davy Hurst looks to be settling in as a producer for a forecast 62 to 68,000 ounces for the 2022 financial year. More on that in the group's capital raise in a moment. Now, as much as as it is a producer, Orobando is also an explorer across numerous projects where drilling last year produced lots of exciting results which will require follow-up drilling. Hopefully, to add to the 2 million ounce resource base the company already has in place, which includes 470,000 ounces in the proved and probable category. We have Aurobandus Managing Director Peter Nicholson with us today to bring us up to speed with what's happening at Davyhurst and more particularly, I guess, what the capital raise tells us about the company's plans in the year ahead. So with that, I'll say, g'day, Peter. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Barry. Thanks for having me. Right. I better be... Uh, I think it's a good idea to always start out if we can give investors uh, a bit of a feel about yourself. So can you give us a bit of a snapshot of your professional career to date? Sure. So I'm a mining engineer by original training, grew up in the country in Queensland, studied at the University of Queensland and came west when I graduated with that degree. Worked for Western Mining Corporation and a Canadian company, Lionel. Uh, underground mining uh, throughout that period of time, but I also did some postgraduate finance study and then moved across into mining-focused private equity. I spent 18 years uh, on the investing side uh, and that was a global fund, so I was responsible for investing in all sorts of commodities and all sorts of mining methods in all sorts of countries and jurisdictions. So saw a lot of the world, saw a lot of the things out there, and then 18 years is a long time in in a job. It was time Mm -hmm. for a change and so stepped back onto the, the mining side proper and uh, joined Orobanda. All right. Okay. Now, um, this, uh, give us a snapshot of Davy Hurst under under the company's ownership, uh, particularly, I guess, the startup to production last year, and uh, uh, run through some of those teething problems I touched on uh, and where the operation is at now. Sure. So Orobanda uh, did a refurbishment of the existing 1.2 million tonne per annum Davy Hurst plant and redid the reserves around that uh, and came up with a five-year mine life to feed into that. So the company commenced mining uh, back in the December quarter 
of 2020 and poured their first gold in February of 2021. There were, unfortunately, a number of commissioning issues, and, and we've talked about those to the market in, in quite length, but the summary is there's been some issues with swelling clays in the oxide material from the Riverina mine. The company started uh, with mining at the Riverina open pit and underground at the Golden Eagle mine. And there were slow startup uh, with the underground mine and, and issues with the material uh, from the Riverina open pit, which led to just you know, reduced throughput into the plant. Uh, the plant was an old plant that got refurbished, but there was a number of components of that that um, just through age, uh, you know, also struggled. So um, a lot of breakdowns were occurring, exacerbating the lower throughput. So we've been going through a program of working our way through that. In terms of the, the material quality, uh, as we've gotten deeper at the Riverina mine, the, the materials improved just by default as we've gotten deeper into to fresher rock. Uh, mm-hmm. We've also commenced mining at the Missouri Open Pit, which is fresh rock from the outset. Uh, and we ramped up Golden Eagle Underground Mine, and it was performing very well for us until it closed uh, a little bit later than planned, actually, uh, at the end of December. And so what we've done is, um, obviously, with the refurbishment, all the key components of that plant were fixed, but the, the small things like, you know, different valves and, and, and the like um, have had some issues, and we've been, you know, methodically working our way through those and, and fixing the plant. So the plant now is running very consistently for us. Um, we have a nameplate capacity of 150 dry tonnes per hour, and we are hitting that mark or exceeding that mark uh, for extended periods of time, although have still been having some downtime related to, to different events. Um, you know, more recently with summer, uh, it's been impacting our Boarfield pipeline, the, the black poly pipe, you know, in, in the heat of the day, uh, expands and moves around and it's been cracking a little bit. So um, we'll be replacing that as we move forward to, to remove that. And that's what the process has been now or what it is now is there's no fatal flaws with the plant. It's just mm-hmm. a case of identifying the, the bottlenecks to our production performance and addressing those. But we've been running at 90,000 tonnes per month um, all through the December quarter and through January. Uh, a few of the issues have impacted us in February, but uh, we see no reason why we can't get to nameplate capacity with that very shortly. Um, so... That's, that's moving forward and part of what the fundraise will be used to address. Uh, on the mining front, as I said, the Golden Eagle mine um, has now finished and we are mining from the Riverina open pit, the Missouri open pit. And we've just started in a very small way pre-stripping uh, of the Sand King pit, which will be the next production source. So phase one mining of Riverina is scheduled to run through until about the end of April. Um, and then that mining fleet and people will move down to Sand King to start uh, mining there in earnest. Uh, but Sand King at this point in time is, is a, effectively a spare time job. So when we uh, are unable to access parts of the pits um, because of other mining activities impeding access, you can't drive a haul truck through a drill rig, for example, um, mm-hmm. Sand King, and, and we keep the productivity and utilisation efficiency of the operations as high as we can. Yeah. I guess one of the, uh, this is one of the benefits of having uh, multiple deposits supplying a centralised uh, treatment plant that gives you flexibility that you wouldn't have if you were relying on just the one deposit there somewhere. That's right. I think there's a nice balancing act between having a sole source and being reliant fully on that or having so many that you can't keep up with what's going on. And I think, you know, with our operations where we broadly have two to three uh, production sources, there's a nice mix of operational flexibility without being too complicated. Yeah. Okay. Now, I uh, could see things are settling down. Um and I touched on the expiration there, which um, 
I think is uh, probably an unappreciated part of the company in, uh, in terms of its uh, market rating at the moment. You've got a long list of expiration targets. Uh, what is your approach to uh, expiration and uh, how are things shaping up at this early stage? Yeah, look, the expiration is really exciting and, and I agree. I think it is maybe not appreciated because people have been focused and, and not, you know, probably incorrectly in the short term on, on the production aspect of the business. But, you know, we've got a large land holding. It's, it's tick over 1,200 square kilometres of ground. Uh, it predominantly is running along the mineralised trends in the, the region and so it's, it's highly prospective. We broadly look at exploration in two different limbs. We've got the, the grassroots greenfield exploration where we're out there trying to find, you know, new discoveries, new resources and what will be, you know, hopefully transformational for the company um, but obviously carrying the exploration risk. Then sitting beside that, we've got a lot of known prospects that are a lot more certain um, and closer to. And so we've got the, the limb there where we're working on those to bring those up to a point where we can actually transform them into a reserve and then, then bring them into the mine schedule uh, and go forward from there. Right. Anything emerging uh, at the grassroots level that's uh, got you particularly excited? Yeah, look, I, um, and uh, along with the rest of industry and, and champion at the bit to get some assay results back, um, it's quite a long lead time, unfortunately, but we've done some drilling uh, at a deposit, well, at a project area, I should say, it's not a deposit, uh, called Greater Pacific. Um, that sits very close to the existing river in open pit mine. There's been some geophysics done that show there's a subcropping intrusive uh, there. So um, effectively, we've got a, an economic operating mine on the flank of a heat source that, you know, would, um, from a geological perspective, uh, remobilise and concentrate gold. So a very exciting target. There's some cover over the top of that, which stopped the prospectors historically. Um, no. It's not sufficient depth to stop modern day exploration, but uh, has meant it's, it's been ignored largely until now. So we've only done a very first pass air core drill program over the top, so very wide spacing, um, only really one or two lines of drilling. So um, we won't go close to fully assessing the potential for that. But even within that uh, program, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be seeing something that's quite exciting. Yeah. And exploration generally, both um, known deposits and at the grassroots level, now that the, the mine is settling into a, the treatment plant, settling into a bit of a groove, are you stepping up exploration? That's the intention. The intention was always to turn the free cash flow from the operations back into the, the drill rigs and, and, and assess the ground. So the slow ramp ups uh, not enable us to do that. But part of this raising is to make sure we can get drill rigs turning uh, and have the timeline to delineate uh, as I said, additional reserves to increase the mine life um, and then, you know, discover and grow other resources and, and, and continue to do that same process. So, uh, you know, we have every opportunity, even though we have a five-year mine life currently, um, mm -hmm. to be still mining here in 10 or 15 years' time with the right work being done. Okay. So run us through, if you could, on the, the, the key points of the uh, capital raise. Sure. So the, the capital raise is being done in two components. There's a 15 million entitlement offer. That's been underwritten um, for the full amount. So we have a private equity fund, Hawks Point, who is a significant shareholder, and they've committed to uh, under sub-underwriting that, that offer such that we have confidence the full amount will be raised, although obviously we'd love to see all of our other shareholders participate. And then sitting alongside that, we've got a $5 million placement that we're looking to put away as well so that we'll raise $20 million in total. A lot of that is, you know, we've been running for a long time uh, with the operational issues with, with quite a low working cap uh, for the company and so we'll be addressing that and also some of these issues that we've identified that um, are still giving us some uh, you know wrinkles with our 
stability uh, in terms of ongoing performance we'll be able to address and, and get moving on. But, you know, more importantly, excitingly, is we'll get some money to go back and, and drill into the ground. So we'll be doing resource upgrades on the Riverina Underground mine opportunity, on our Iguana mine opportunity. Um, and, you know, sitting between those two, we think we'll be able to have a fairly meaningful reserve life extension. Right. Okay. Now you mentioned uh, Hawke's Point there, um, obviously being very supportive of the company and uh, with the sub-underwriting, but um, are they, uh, is there a limit to what they could end up with, depending on what the uptake of uh, shares is? Well, mathematically, there's always a limit with these things. So, yes, um, you know, under the absolute worst case scenario, which we are obviously obliged to, to say to the market and is included in the documentation, they could get up to um, just over 53% ownership. But that assumes they contribute right. $15 million and nobody else puts a cent in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Hey, highly unlikely um, and mm. very disappointing results. So we've actually had, um, you know, good expressions of interest for the placement component, but that's been um, done today, so I can't confirm what the final number will be. But, you know, certainly the message I'm getting from the, the joint lead managers is that we'll fill the full $5 million. Uh, and the price that's been raised, that's $0.05. Cents. Now, uh, we've had a couple of things happen. One, we had a, a significant shareholder who was, exiting on market and, and so that was certainly depressing our share price um, that selling has finished um, and then with the increased gold price over the last several days um, our share price had risen quite significantly so mm -hmm. gone from about 5.8 last week to 7.7 .7 at close yesterday so uh, you know i think it's attractively priced for people and i would hope that um, you know they view that favorably yeah sure okay uh, you mentioned the gold price uh Moving up there through uh, US nineteen hundred, uh, nice price in Aussie dollars. Um, what's a, so is the project uh, more than washing its face now? So we had our first cash flow positive months in the December quarter. Right. Um, we are at the point where we're we're effectively around the break even mark. So we will have um, some some months that, that are, are good and some some that aren't, depending where we are at the mining schedule. But we're certainly looking to be turning that into cash flow positive on a, on a month-to-month basis going forward, and the plans are in place to do that, and we just need to, to finalise a couple of last items uh, to be able to achieve that. So we're very close and looking forward to being able to capitalise on that gold price. For sure. Okay. Do, uh, do you hedge at all or any intention to hedge? We currently don't hedge. Um, it's something that we do talk about and consider, um, and our approach would only be um, sort of treating it like insurance. You know, it would be business protection, type philosophy where we're making sure we're covering uh, costs rather than being speculative. We don't believe people are investing in gold companies for management to speculate on the mm -hmm. gold price. Um, mm -hmm. So the answer would be no, we consider it. But if we do do something, um, it would be, you know, a sensible business um, protection type approach rather than a, a speculative approach. Well, as we look forward over the next uh, 12 to 18 months, is there any bit, a particular big CapEx item on the horizon? Not particularly. I mean, as we move into Sand King, there's a, a pre-strip uh, that needs to be done there, um, but it is not enormous. So outside of that, uh, no, we don't don't have any big capital items. We've spent all the money on the plant refurbishment. Right. Okay. And uh, tell me, just in that region there around Daviehurst, uh, you guys are pretty much it, or are there are other operators in that part of the world? There's a lot of operators in the goldfields area, so it mm. depends depends how you want to define near. I know in Australia that can be uh, quite a long distance. Um, given our tenement package, we are really the only uh, operator around Daviehurst. Um, you know, our tenements go approximately 200 kilometres north to south. So it's quite a big area. Um, but if you step, you know, further afield, then obviously you've got Menzies, you've got Kalgoorlie, and there's a lot of lot of miners uh, operating yeah. in that region. 
Yeah, no, I was just wondering whether there was any um, uh, stranded gold deposits that might be of interest to you owned by others. Because um, I think Riverina and uh, Missouri, and they're all very close to uh, the treatment plant and we've got people in the gold fields now trucking 200 kilometres or more. So there must be some uh, truckability options out there for you, I guess. Yes, look, there are absolutely. And we're certainly open to exploring those when they make sense for our shareholders. But I think we're in the fortunate position of having enough resources sitting mm. in front of ourselves that we don't need to do anything, um, but we certainly can uh, for the right opportunity. Okay. So got to the point, I think, where it'd be great if you could wrap it up for us and um, give investors a, a feel for some near-term uh, news flow to watch out for and how you see the long-term picture emerging uh, now that uh, working capital's uh, fixed and the gold price is doing the right thing for you guys and the project's uh, starting to... Uh, get into its groove. Absolutely. Look, I mean, I think with this capital raise, we get to finish off the, the little bits around the plant that we've been wanting to, to move on and, and waiting for cash flow to generate. I think the market's been looking at us thinking we've been come raise and, and marking us down on that mark. Uh, mm. and so this will put that to bed as well. We've got plant stability. Uh, we've got multiple feed sources from the mine, so we're well positioned to make sure we can keep the plant full. And we've also have over half a million tonnes of ore stockpiled on surface already from prior mining. So, you know, we're in a good position to drive this forward. We've shown that we can um, follow through on our, our work to optimise the operations and we'll continue to do that. So, you know, I think we're well positioned now to drive forward for the next 12 months. Yeah. And how are you uh, enjoying it personally? Uh, you know, history there with uh, the big boys, WMCs and the Lionels. How are you enjoy running companies like Aura Banda? I think um, right now I'd describe it as like I'm in the middle of the cyclone, so I don't, I don't have time to really sit back and reflect on how I'm <laughs> finding it. I think uh, the reality is in a few months' time I'll look back and say that was a lot of fun. Uh, but right now it's, you know, just all, all hands on deck, getting this thing up and running and optimised as quickly as we can for everybody's benefit. Right. And you must be looking forward to uh, the uh, the Iron Curtain coming down and uh, accessing uh, oh. all this wonderful talent we've got over here in the eastern states. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it sounds silly, but there's, there's you know, definite skill sets that have historically been, you know, flying in and out of Western Australia and uh, the industry as a whole is missing those. I think a lot of people miss the fact that, you know, the big boys up in the iron ore mines used to fly jumbo jets full of people in directly from over east. And when the, the borders went up, um, you know, they'd reach down into the gold fields to poach our people. Um, and so it's had a knock-on effect through the entire industry. So very much looking forward to being able to get access to, you know, the right resources and skill sets to, you know, assist everybody's operations, not just ours. So I mean, we're no unicorn on that one. Okay, folks, there we go. A, a new gold producer settling into the, the groove at a uh, established uh, treatment facility there. Exploration is uh, something to watch out for in the 12 months ahead and uh, with the capital race, uh, got the working capital to uh, get on with it. So with that, Peter, best of luck with it all and we'll be watching with interest. Thanks, Barry. Appreciate the chat. Cheers.